Welcome to the Novel Podcast. Uh, brings me great joy to welcome our guest today, Alpha Tom Moore, um, of by way of uh, Florida, um, but from DC as well. So um, thank you for coming today. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, man. Um, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. I'm actually here. From Florida by way of DC. Okay, well, but, but, there you but go. those are the those are the two key spots <laughs> in the story. Yeah. Yeah. We've been trying to get Al on for for a while. I know he's a busy person, so um, yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a while. But been a glad you was able to carve out some time for us. Um, so I think you know one of the major reasons why we wanted to bring you on the podcast today is your current um, situation and you. Um, attending Harvard University, um, studying to receive your PhD, um, which I think is obviously um, a great goal of yours and um, something that uh, I know once you accomplish that is you're going to do a lot of great things within not only the education space, but within the community as well. Um, But tell me a little bit about kind of like your background, like Tell me a little bit about Florida, um, kind of like, you know, your upbringing and, and the type of institutions you went to through like your elementary, middle school, high school. Um, I think this is probably a, a good way to kind of have some of the listeners understand a little bit about your, your background. Um, okay. I mean, you mean like the former years, like high school? Yeah, I think high school. I mean, you can start wherever, wherever, wherever had the most impact. Yeah, I mean, right? well, I think you know, I, I think to be able to to like understand me, um, you know, I grew up in the in the South, uh, Florida. I know some of your listeners might debate whether or not Florida is the South, but just let's just give it to me today. It's the South, <laughs> um, and um, you know, uh, I grew up. Uh, essentially in the 80s in Florida to, and um, you know that shaped me in a lot of a lot of different ways um, I think you know as a whole in that space um, I was raised by my mother who did a, an amazing job raising raising three kids um, by herself um, and you know, she she wanted us to, to be able to have a an, an easier life than hers. So she she pushed us um, in education and, and pushed us to uh, to be able to do well for ourselves to to, to have a life that was uh, not as difficult as hers. And I think for me, um, you know, the big thing from that space is really, you know, you know, work hard, put effort in, um, plan for your future. And I think that, um, you know, as a, as a young black man coming of age, I learned what those nuances meant. Uh, the, the story is learning those, what those nuances meant for me as a young black man in America um, and how I had to, to navigate um, learning spaces, how I had to learn to navigate professional spaces um, and, and really present things in a package that would, would, would allow me access um, to certain things, and I, and I think that connects to my story in the, in the larger sense of that, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I've, I've always been uh, on the intellectual side. Uh, I've always been 
you know, a quick understanding of like my books and things of that nature. And I think understanding um, the package that, that society wants you to, to put things in sometimes um, is especially important for uh, for our, our young people of color and understanding um, the difference between putting on, you know, a presentation for something and, and understanding where the line is with your, your actual identity. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, I think that's very important too, right? I think, you know, you mentioned that, um, your mom really kind of pushed you into that type of space and, and really challenged you on understanding the importance of, of education in school. And I know like, for instance, for me, my mom received her GED. Um, eventually she went back to, to get her, um, bachelor's degree in early childhood, but, uh, my dad's an entrepreneur, and, and he didn't he didn't go to college. Um, and I remember I struggled a lot in my earlier years with school because not necessarily that it wasn't like a priority because it definitely was a priority of mine. But I think because that wasn't a um, that wasn't where my mom and I was raised by my mom. Well, um, my mom's education level was at that particular time uh, was was pretty limited. So, you know, her focus is, yeah, you need to go to school and yeah, you know, school is important. But, you know, for me, I was, you know, just like probably a, a lot of um, misinformed kids at that age where I wanted to be a sports athlete. And that was, to me, was my way of, of getting out and being successful in life, um, of, of becoming like a professional athlete at some, at a younger age. Um, but it wasn't necessarily focused on, on education and really optimizing programs or optimizing the, you know, the opportunity to go to school and make the, the, you know, make the most out of you in being in that. Like, do you think those years of, of, in, in your early development kind of, um, influenced you to really, you know, how, take a passion into education and wanting to impact education, you know, on a larger scale? Um, no, no. I, I, you know, I think, you know, the way, the, the, I guess when I think about the most salient story for me as a, as a kid was being a fourth grader and um, I had this one teacher, her name was Barbara Alvarez, and, you know, she really took an interest in me um, from my educational standpoint, from my character development. Um, you know, at, at the time I was a, I was an angry kid. I was, I was frustrated about, um, the circumstances of, of life. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a lot in our house growing up. Um, Christmas was a, a especially difficult time for me. My birthday is the day after Christmas. Um, so it was, a, it was brutal for me to, um, experience both a birthday and Christmas at the same time right. in this space of of lack and never um, getting the you know the present that you really want versus the present <laughs> that you actually talk about and say that you want, knowing that your family has limited resources. Right. And, you know, I, I didn't want to put my mom through that, and, and so like I, I think just this larger space of of not having enough. Um, uh, in addition to, you know, the, the larger factors that were occurring under a, a Reagan 
administration and trickle down economics mm-hmm. in the eighties. Um, you know, just uh, I was I was an angry kid, and so like that 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 was exemplified in my actions, in which like I, I like I'd get really angry. Um, I cross my arms. Yeah, uh, fist mechanism. Yeah, yeah, and and you know uh, this particular teacher had a handheld mirror. I don't know if she just had it in the classroom, if she bought it or what, but every time like I would cross my arms and just, you know, she would show this frown. She would she would not just show me, but she would then like she would have me hold it. Okay. Right? Like and I had to hold it in front of myself. And and this is you know, and she didn't single me out in the class. This yeah. was just an exercise yeah. that that I had to do. Um and you know, it, 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 the, a lot of teacher relationships are that are that are really sort of pivotal in, in sort of redirecting uh, the frustration and energy of young kids. Mm-hmm. On the kids side, it's like, oh my God, thank God that year is over with that teacher. Right. And you know, I remember, you know, at the end of the fourth grade, you know, uh, no hard feelings, but like I'm out of here, I'm on to the next next grade, and she moved up to teach the fifth grade. <laughs> And put me in her class again. <laughs> now, I'm sure that there were some larger life factors that were going on um, that may have influenced whether or not she moved to the fifth grade. But I know that my interpretation as a young kid was, yeah. this you woman know, put me in her <laughs> class again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that that, that second round of knowing um, what was going to what uh, be required of me in that space, knowing right. that this was also a woman who you know, she bought me a gift for my birthday at mm-hmm. Christmas, right? Like she, so she was invested. Yeah, she was invested. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I it, it's it's probably the the most uh, impactful story in this space of like why I became an educator, and I think it, it set the tone for what education looks like in contrast to schooling. Mm-hmm. I think in this country we have an epidemic of schooling where. Um, it's really about the like preparing you to be in the same space for eight hours and work a job and and how to say yes and how to say uh, you know how to accomplish things for an employer, which right. is, is fundamentally different than education. And that uh, that teacher, but that woman Barbara Alvarez was was a saint in my eyes in the sense that she made sure that I received an education, an understanding of the world, an understanding of of how my feelings and my emotions, not that I didn't have a right to them, but like how it was shaping what I was going to have access to. Right. And I think, um, you know, she, she, that lesson made me want to be an educator. Yeah. And so I have a, and I don't even think I knew that it was about being an educator. What I wanted was for other people to experience that liberation, that growth, that impact that comes from awakening something within you that actually is the solution for your environment and, yeah. and the struggles that you're dealing with. Well, I, I think, well, shout out to, to, to Barbara Alvarez, um, you know, for, for that. And I, and I think, I think that's very important because I, I have a similar story, but I didn't have that type. My story is kind of on a later scale in when I went to college, Graham State University. And the reason why I want to bring that up is, and in going in, in elementary school, the environment, was that a predominantly Caucasian environment, like institution that you went to? Or was it like an environment where it was a lot of black and brown teachers and leadership 
that um, or students that look like you? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, in today's lingo, we call it a diverse elementary school. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably say that, um, you know, we, we probably had maybe 20 to 30% uh, African-American. We probably had just about the same amount of Latinos. Mm -hmm. We had um, white students. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we had um, Asian and Native American students there. But like the the three, you know, the, the three that I remember sticking out were sort of uh, the Latino students, the, the black students, and then the white students. Yeah, I think, and, and the reason why I, I bring that up is because I think a lot of times, um, like, let's, if you just take race out of it, I think um, education is really all about just finding out in the way of how to challenge a student and get the most out of them, right? I think it's not necessarily always just teaching them about, you know, history or teaching them about science, but it's teach, trying to find a way to encourage them, but also um, challenge them in a way that they're going to succeed or learn more about themselves, right? And I think the, the reference that you made with the mirror I think that's a, a really, you know, beautiful reference because it really, you know, in my, how I take it is that she was, Barbara was trying to show you like, this is what you look like, right? Not necessarily from a color standpoint, right? But like you had a, had a very instant way of seeing like how defensive you would be and how you were coming off towards her where I, I assume it maybe didn't happen immediately, but at at a certain point of her doing that to you, and obviously this was a, a practice between, you know, throughout the whole uh, classroom, but to you, I'm sure it was more monumental because you probably seen something about yourself that you wanted to change, right? Was it something of that sort that kind of propelled you to say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to behave like this or in behaving like this, I'm seeing a different side of myself that I perhaps never really would have if she didn't kind of position it in that way to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, they're clapping for you right now, so just to give you a heads up. Um, that's, that's great preparation for the future, you know, you always <laughs> got to take little things like that and use them to help you get along the way. Um, you know, uh, what I what I began to, to glean from that experience, right, was, um, you know, some, sometimes the little things happen in classrooms that are unfair. You know, a teacher turns around, they see you talking, they say, hey, stop talking. And it's like, I wasn't talking. Yeah. Right? Usually and, I was and, talking. And, and, and <laughs> Nine times out of ten. Um, and talking back after I got caught. You, you, know, um, you know, I didn't like being in trouble as a kid. So it, I, I usually was not the one talking. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and just my reaction to that would be like, this is such an injustice. Right. And so, so um, and, and, you know, what, what she began to impart into me was like, um, you know, and, and, and this is what was amazing about her is that she didn't have the complexity of like the sit down talk of, you know, listen, things are going to happen to you that aren't fair, um, that are with outside of your control, but you have to think about how you're going to respond and you have to shape that to where, it propels you to a place that you want to be. Mm -hmm. Now, because she was a great educator, she didn't attempt to explain that to, you know, a, a 10, 11-year-old kid at the time. 
um, which is what I think a lot of people do. They expect kids to be adults, um, and they're not, right? It, like, I, I was reacting the way kids react. Right, right. But, you know, she, she provided this lesson that, that shaped, that reshaped um, how I responded in those spaces. Um, and, and to me, that's the magic of what our genuine educators do, right? They, they understand um, where children are. They understand the lessons and the skills um, and the things that they need in their toolkit to be able to survive in this in this place, and, and they find a way um, to get those skills uh, and abilities into their toolkit so that so that um, you know so that kids can use them. So, do you think? All right, that that was a a, um, a pivotal time in in your life, fourth grade. Do you, did you and see fifth grade. in fifth grade? Oh yeah, because she definitely came she, back to she got get you in a class. If you want to think she did, you can think that on your own. But she definitely strategically did that. So shout out to Miss to, to Barbara again because not only was she uh, influential, but she was definitely smart to to get more out of you than just that. But do you think did you see or did you feel like the tide started to turn? For the rest of your like educational career after that, like did it? Did you begin to kind of take more of a liking into anything in particular, or did you begin to structure yourself a little bit different? Um, not not really from a, a standpoint that I remember. Um, I knew that I had this person, um, you know, who was interested in me doing well. Um, and that interest, as it turns out, didn't start when I was in the fourth grade. Apparently, you know, I've been tested for gifted. Um, I think. No, what was gifted? Uh, so the the gifted and gifted and talented program is for students that who are um, excel academically. You have to have a, you know, you, you perform well on, on the, the, the tests um, in in math, science, and the like. Um, you have a you know a high full scale IQ, verbal intelligence, the, uh, the different dimensions of the test and you end up placed in um, what amounts to more rigorous coursework right okay. you get introduced to the concepts the ideas and the work earlier okay um, I was tested for this in the first grade and um, for whatever reason um, was not placed into the program but uh, Miss Alvarez said that uh, she impressed upon my mother no you you have him tested again mm-hmm. I don't know what happened on that day or if, uh, you know, there was some funny business with the, the scores right. and, and, you know, cause we, you know, research shows actually that, um, black and white children, black and brown children do not have the same chances of getting selected into gifted programs right. despite their talent. Right? Well, I, I also think that a lot of the, the structure of that actual test is probably not geared towards black and brown students as well. Would so, yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, so there's the, there's the issue of, of what's on the test. Um, there's the issue of what's on the test itself, but even when we um, examine, um, even when we take that factor out, right? even, even when we um, look at that, uh, you take students who perform to the same degree on okay. that test, same demonstration of knowledge and actually um, we have like research empirical evidence that shows that the teachers differentially assign black and brown students to uh to 
the gifted program. They're not they're not selected into those programs despite demonstrating that same ability. Right. I think it's something like um, uh, like a margin of sixty six percent or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and I get it because I think a lot of times, right, like the standardized testing um, is really not geared towards, you know, black and brown students. But I mean, you know, I, I think that's also. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I said that story because um, she impressed upon my mom having have him tested me. Yeah. And, and, and at, at the third grade, I was retested. Okay. And then got into the program, which actually should be more difficult the older that you get. So. Uh, so basically, like you're kind of like a genius, but you don't really. Uh, you you know, can be I, humble about I, it. But I, 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 I get my brains from my mother. Okay, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I understand a few things. Okay, no, I got more quickly than others. Yeah, yeah, well, I would assume so. I mean, you're in the uh, institution that what is it a three percent acceptance rate? Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy to get in. <laughs> okay. All right. So you've been excelling yeah. since you were younger. Um, so, all right. So you, you, right. You, you had influential people in your life, right? Your mom, um, Miss Alvarez. Um, and then, you know, you are obviously had your God given talent just being like, you know, a very, uh, a smart individual. Right. Um, now you obviously, had an interest of going to college. What college did you attend, like your undergrad? Yeah, so I, I went to um, American University, okay, um, which is located in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, very fortunate. Didn't know much about schools or how to select them. Um, shout out to my, my my friend Kathleen Garrett, who actually um, had me go to the um, office visit when American University visited my high school. Okay. And on that day, uh, I met one of the regional admissions directors, and that started the train of me developing a relationship to be able to get in, um, not only to get into American University to, to be accepted. I think it's I think it's Catherine's birthday today, February second. Happy birthday, Catherine! Happy birthday, K um, Money. Um, and so, um, yeah. So, uh, attending um, that session when they visited uh, my high school allowed me the connection that sort of uh, opened the doors for me being at American University. Um, so I went there, um, entered American University as a sophomore um, because of the high school credits that I had from taking advanced placement and um, they call it advanced placement, gifted courses, mm-hmm. something of that nature. Um, and then majored in injustice while at American University. Um, my experience growing up in the South, and again, and when you see these themes of injustice, bothers me, right? Um, I, I'd learned in, in a couple of encounters with with the police and the way that um, you know, just the discipline and the punitive structures at school. Like, you need to know the law, and so uh, I, I entered American University with a, a focus and a major in justice. Um, because at the time, I thought I might be a, a civil trial litigator. Okay. I can see you being a, a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, I get that sometimes. I get that sometimes. My mother definitely said I had that piece of uh, argumentation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably had the the, uh, the argument of skills, but uh, I don't think I wasn't in the gifted classes. Like, you went, initially, when you said the gifted, I was thinking uh, Wale's album. 
<laughs> and I know that you you being around DC, I think you're familiar with that too. So um, you know, obviously, I think that lets you know where yeah, I am yeah. from an intellectual standpoint. Uh, nonetheless, but um, so you know, you you went to American University, and obviously, um, you know, you kind of wanted to go a different path um, after kind of like you know figuring out exactly what you wanted to do, or you know, more of your passion. Or was was that when you was able to compare and contrast, like you know, the classes you you were taking that you wanted to pursue more of of an education standpoint? Was it there that you kind of decided that, or was that kind of like after graduating? Um, so I, I I ended up in education um, because uh, at, at the time when I was an undergraduate, uh, there was a lot of emphasis on. Uh, how do we improve kids' reading skills? There was a reading first program. Um, these works for the job. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't from money, so I needed to work when, when I was an undergrad. And so I had opportunities for work, work study to make some extra cash. And there was the reading first program. There was Jumpstart. There were Head Start. And all of these are programs to get college students involved and engaged in, in elementary schools and in public schools mm-hmm. to support students who, who um, don't have opportunity-rich environments. Right. Um, and one day I looked at, you know, the way that my resume was shaping up and it had, you know, uh, very little law, pre-law internships experience, um, and lots of education on there. And, uh, I said, man, maybe I need to pay attention to like, um, this thing that, that echoes throughout my resume and it seems to resonate with my abilities. Um, still did not want to become an educator because, you know, for all of the great lessons that, um, that Mrs. Alvarez taught me, um, one thing that always stuck with me, she said, do not become a teacher. They do not get paid enough. Um, and so, uh, which, which is still true today. Ms. Alvarez was real. I uh, like her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, I, I think I carried that with me, this idea that, um, it didn't make enough money. And I think this, this happens a lot of times, you know, for, for, um, you know, uh, students in our communities of color, like not only do we, are we pushed to go to school, but like go into something where you can make money. Right, so right, right. You don't have to uh, grow up um, in resource deficient uh, conditions anymore. But um, that's how I, that's, that's how I started to realize um, the education thing was for me. And, and what, what transpired is that um, as a reading instructor, um, I worked for this private company and they were charging um, families um, at that time uh, basically $100 an hour um, and they needed to come 20 hours a week. And so there were these folks dropping two grand a week for their kids to get support Mm -hmm. in reading um, for dyslexia. And that opened my eyes to... to, um, to this idea that uh, of entrepreneurship and education together, right? right, and, right. It, and it um, pushed me out of the box. That was actually the beginning seed of the formation of my company, Aislinn uh, Learning Solutions, mm-hmm. in which I realized that I had solutions for uh, students who were struggling with, with education. And um, as a business, my ability to help those students better brought me income and revenue. Right. Um, and that really solidified uh, 
that solidified my instantiation in, in the education field was, was really the entrepreneurship of it. And I realized that I didn't have to be broke right. as an educator. So I'm, I'm going to pause right there because there's a couple points that I want to hit on. I think were very important. Um, I think one, right, like having, you know, at least being exposed to um, families that could afford a resource like you or a program like that, right, where if they had a son or daughter that, you know, had some reading challenges that they could, you know, go an extra step a mile um, past your your educational traditional educational um, curriculums and and get you know second um, secondary assistance too. I mean, I, I think a lot of times I went to a predominantly um, Caucasian institution, and a lot of times like I used to battle against like, oh, this person is smarter than me, right? Mm-hmm. And just off of like just you know just kind of based off of like the class that they were at or you know like the type of programs that they were in or just how advanced they were when they were asked to read or things of that sort. But I think a lot of it is like I didn't see the back end, right? I didn't see that they perhaps had an opportunity to have a you know instructor like you, right, who specialized in that and the importance of how that helped them like or propelled them to be able to be a leader in the classroom. Right? And I think a lot of times, like, when you're hitting on, like, you know, you not being able to have or you not having the same opportunities to be, you know, financially stable at that moment that you, you wanted to kind of go a different direction and figure out another way of, to, to add a stream of income because of the negative stigma of, of teachers not being paid well. Um, but I think, it, I think it's important because, you know, I think a lot of times black and, and brown students you know, we, we look at just the, the, the surface of things and, and because we weren't exposed to those type of resources, right? It wasn't really communicated to us or, yeah, we probably know about them, but we don't have the, the financial um, capability to pay for, like, things of that sort, you know what I mean? I, and I think that's very important. But I also think um, more important is that though you know that you had a passion into education, you still was you know, uh, had the wherewithal to say, well, I can't just only focus it on this and I have to bring an entrepreneurial, you know, standpoint in, into it too, to have another way to have another uh, stream of income coming in and you doing more so of like consulting work too. So like, I want to get into, I want to get into the business that you start as well. But, you know, I think again, like that is indicative of who you, who you are as a person of not just necessarily staying in one realm, right? From either that being practice you wanted to, to go into law to education and to now figuring out the way to do education but also start your own company too. So I think you know, I think that's very interesting um, as well. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think um, I was fortunate. I was fortunate because, you know, I, I had that moment of reflection where I asked myself, you know, I essentially looked at what I what I enjoyed doing, right? mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed, your passion. I enjoyed working with kids, which is why I kept doing it. Right, there was a monetary reason um, for that, but um, you don't keep going back to do things that you don't that you don't like. Right, um, and so um, you know, I, I think I was fortunate. You know, in, in hindsight, it looks like a, a perfectly strategized story where I connected the dots but you know success rarely happens that way 
uh, in real life. This is a, you bump your head a lot of times. And I think, you know, for me, I was fortunate that I listened to um, this question on the inside of me. Like I, I was, I was on my way to law school. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, I had taken the LSATs. Okay. Um, I had solid scores to be able to to get to some decent schools. I, I actually I took the LSAT. My sister's a lawyer, but I took the LSAT. Yeah, yeah, and and I think and, they gave me the score right back too. They say, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> those those LSATs knock a lot of people. Yeah, I think they. Right yeah, it gave me an L. Um, it definitely gave me an L. I'll tell you that much. Um, but but you know what 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 happened. Um, you know, for me in that space was was really I recognized that like uh, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't really realize that like there was an an, an economic thing that came a little bit later mm-hmm. after I first first acknowledged right um, it. But but definitely, um, I had I had friends around me. You know, I had friends who'd started their own business. One had an internet technology company. Um, Another was a, a public speaker. Like I, I was around um, people that, that that pushed me at the edges, okay. and I I actually didn't start the company on my own idea. Uh, uh, a friend, uh, a guy at the time, told me, "Hey man, listen, I, I will give you your first five hundred dollars to incorporate if you follow through on this idea." Mm-hmm. He says, "You're like you're you're good at doing this. Why don't you?" Tudor families. Why don't you? Why don't you go ahead and incorporate that? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, you know, it, I was like, yeah, okay, all right, like that, like I'll, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and <laughs> give me the five hundred. I can make a couple things work with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and 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 ten years, ten years later, I was still doing that thing. So, um, you know, I, I had people around me who, who pushed me to, yeah. to excellence, and I, I still keep those. Those types of people in my circle. Yeah, that's what, yeah. no. I think that's very important. So, all right. So, Ashley Learning Solutions. Um, you 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 did this for ten years. Like, talk about the business aspect, right? Because now you kind of have to take off the the education hat, and you you got to put on more of like a, a CEO hat, right? Because I assume, right? And obviously, you can go a little bit more in depth, but you you had to manage a couple of people, right? Um, you had to figure out the revenue and how to pay people and all those type of things. Like, I mean, didn't from any of the discussions that we we've had, it, it didn't seem like you went to business school for this. Like, how did you, how did you pivot into a whole different role and responsibilities of obviously still, you know, pursuing your passion, but now having to, to do a variety of different other, um, requirements to run this, this business. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, told me one time, he said, you know, um, you get paid for how many problems you can solve, and you get paid for the size of the problems that you can solve. And, um, you know, that, that really did, that set the tone for me in a lot of things that, I needed to learn to, to solve problems, right? And so, you know, to your question of how did I manage people, how did I build a business, how did I pay attention to revenue, how did I do things like acquire space, how did I figure out taxes, how did I figure out hiring? Uh, all of those were um, pr- 
problems for me to solve, mm-hmm. right? And and um, as I um, figured out ways to solve them, I generated income. Um, but I think you know I, I started off very small. Um, I started off where my where it was about me being able to tutor one kid, right? Me, mm-hmm. me being able to produce outcomes where this kid who struggled with with reading or um, with math or with trig did better after working with me. Mm-hmm. Kids enjoyed it. Parents were satisfied. Right. And then I did that multiple times, just me doing that, right? And and so I, I was efficient at helping kids improve. Um, the nuance came like as more and more people um, heard about Al and the effects that he had on kids. Right? Right. More and more parents are calling. Yeah, so and the value you were adding to, yeah. to those students, you know, educational life. Yeah. So you know, um, at that point, um, things got a little bit different because I had to hire people. Right? Like I, I'm bringing other people in to work with someone else. Now I have to train. I yeah. have to do. Quality control. I got to create a culture. I, I got to create a culture. I got to get the right people on the bus. Right. Like, I, like all of these things that you hear, right? And, and I was um, fortunate again, you know, I had, had um, a good friend of mine, um, Garnisha Crawford, who is an amazing um, businesswoman. Met her at school and undergrad at, at, at uh, American, American University. Yeah, and um, she gave me this, she gave me this, I mean, she's done a lot of things to support me. Um, especially during the hiring process and, and shaping the culture of baseline learning solutions, getting us going in the right direction. But she also gave me this book called E Myth Mastery. Okay. And the book talks about how uh, people who are good at a technical skill um, and decide to build a business around it often make a very critical mistake that kills their future. And in this case, that the mistake would have been me believing that my ability to help, um, my abilities of being a great tutor um, meant that I was going to have a great tutoring company. Okay. Right. right. Um, and there were just... Which is not necessarily true. Those things are absolutely not true. And I think that um, this book helped surface for me um, a lot of the other things that I needed to transition to being good at. Right. And so in my day-to-day, I had to understand uh, schedules. I had to understand how to pay people. I needed to understand how to make sure that, that the, I, the IRS and taxes were taken out of their check. Like all yeah. of these different things. But um, you know, I I, I, I took those. Um, you know, I think that when I think that when you're trying to solve those those types of problems, you have to remember that it's it's hard at first. Mm-hmm. You got to remember to reach out for help. And you got to get over this fear that says to you, um, you're inadequate, and that's why you don't know. Yeah. Right? And, and I think a lot of people don't reach out because they feel like they're not knowing is a symbol of their inadequacy. Right. And, and then you never get help. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, because <clears throat> in any business, right, um, I mean, in life, you're going to fail, right? I mean, you learn from failures, but... You know, I, I think it it doesn't make you um, less powerful. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't put a, 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 a mark on if you can't lead in a proper way. Like, 
everybody needs someone who has either done it before, who's had like success with it, or that can help, you know, make your business more valuable. And it's important to reach out to those individuals because I, I always go by the method of working smarter, not harder. And I think when you have a group of individuals or people or mentors that can help you learn more about your role or your responsibilities, it gives you not only um, you can couple that with your own um, value that you bring as, you know, as a leader um, for, for business, um, but it definitely makes you more well-rounded and it, it, you know, I think it, in, in retrospect, right, from a, from a different perspective, it also allows those individuals that were providing assistance to you, it allows them to be blessed, right? And I think that's how you have the reoccurring um, aspect of, of everybody kind of reaping the benefit. And they may not be blessed immediately from a financial standpoint, but them, you know, helping you grow and instilling in you certain attributes that allows you to be successful. I think that also puts a mind or puts you in a mind frame of, okay, well, I want to do the same thing when I have the opportunity. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I think it does different things for different people, right? Um, but but I think that I think that you're. Um, I think that understanding that that that, that failure and coming up short are going to be a part of it. And I think that if you get the right people in your circle um, who are who are champions for you, um, who, who push you, like it, it'll prevent you from being in a rut and interpreting that the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, so, when did you make the transition to to Harvard? And I, I feel like you have like fifteen degrees from Harvard at this point, right? But um, um, when no, when did you make that true, transition? Yeah. Um, First of all, when anyone says only, like <laughs> in Harvard, like that usually is there's there, there's some um, there's some gray area with that. Yeah. Well, you know, I um, after after ten years of doing the work at, at Aislinn, I, I um, wanted to expand the impact. I didn't really understand how to do that. I knew that there were some things missing in. Uh, my understanding, and so uh, they have a one-year master's at Harvard. Um, I have a master's in education policy and management. Um, to understand, you know, more effectively uh, school management, uh, change in large systems, and, and, and really um, adding some nuance to my to my understanding of the, the big picture. And so. Um, you know what I what I was really getting to at, at that stage at Aceland we had now been contracted with multiple pub, pub, uh, public schools, multiple public charter schools. I had grown the company from just being myself to a uh, twelve person team. I had um, full time staff. I had part time staff. Uh, we had a building. We had contracts with organizations, um, and I, I wanted to know uh, how to to better turn this corner from this um, what felt very much like a mom and pop uh, organization um, and by that by that I, I simply mean like um, we're, we're, we're caught in the space of continually responding tactically to the things that come up in day-to-day -day in business mm -hmm. rather than having um, 
long-term success, large margins that allow me to not feel as if, like, uh, how am I going to make sure that these 12 people eat? Yeah, get paid. Right? Like, like uh, you know, it's, 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 it's quite something to have on your plate that five other people's entire lives, dependent. their entire livelihood. Depending on your leadership. It's dependent on your leadership. Depending on whether or not you get it right, and um, I took that very seriously. Um, I didn't, you know. I think, I think a lot of people um, are attracted to that feeling of, of being the boss. Like, like that's a major hashtag. Right. I feel like over they, the they don't want they don't want everything that comes. But it's 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 a com- it's a commitment. Yeah, you know, and you have to you got to take other people's lives and livelihoods seriously. And I think because. Um, I honored, like I, I honored that. Right, mm-hmm. I, I felt as if I was in a position in which a responsibility had been placed on me, and I think that because I was honorable in that position, um, I saw the benefits of that, not just in terms for them, but also for myself. Um, but like, it, it's it's not an easy thing to do, and so I, I, I you know, I, I said, let me go. You know, well, this is how we tell the story now, which is let me go to Harvard and figure it out, right? But but really, I didn't think I was going to get in. I applied to two schools, mm-hmm. uh, applied to Harvard and Columbia. I assumed that I wouldn't get in, and I had another plan after that. Okay. We don't see those plans because it turned out that you, I, I got in. I got it. Um, and so uh, that's you know that's that what that's what brought me to Harvard. And when I ended up in Harvard. Um, I, I realized the power of the things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I realized that what we were doing in business, like not only were, were, were we at the cutting edge in business, but people didn't know what I knew in, in academia. Right. People didn't, under, didn't have the nuanced understanding of what to do with reading intervention to get and improve outcomes for kids, even at Harvard. And I, you know, I thought I went to this place to ask questions and get answers. And I, I, I ended up in a place where I asked questions and got, that's a great question. Right. <laughs> they didn't know the answer. Uh, right. And, 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 you know, and, and then for me, it was this question of, um, you know, how much was I committed to that impact getting to those schools, school systems and kids that I was not going to be able to reach through ACEN, right? I didn't start Aislinn as, as like this thing that was supposed to go everywhere, right? This was the thing that, oh, I happened to be a tutor and my, my friend said, I'll give you the $500, so do it, right? right? So um, it, it was, uh, I, had to, I had to ask myself, like, how serious was I about that impact that I thought would be answered in a master's degree? And it turns out that a, a greater call was within me to, yeah. to like this, this PhD thing. Um, and that's that's how I ended up in you know ultimately in the PhD program. Okay, so <clears throat> I, I think that's also you know a, a beautiful kind of transformation too, and it, it happened organically. Um, what is your particular focus in in the PhD program right now? Yeah, so I am a, I am in the education department. It's a PhD in education. Um, I laugh every time because my aunt thought that I was, you know, the PhD meant philosophy, right? She was like, he's now doing philosophy. I was like, no, 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 auntie. Uh, you 
space. I'm still doing the education thing. And so uh, within education, um, you know, the, the way that I look at things is through a lens of, of human human development um, and understanding the way um, uh, children's mind takes place over, over stages of development. And of particular interest to me is supporting kids that struggle with reading, right? And so this is where my entrepreneurship has led into my education. And so um, I think that we can design better interventions for kids who struggle with reading. Uh, I believe that because I did it for 10 years before I was at Harvard. And um, I think that there are some ways that uh, across the spectrum, um, folks can improve interventions for these students so that um, they experience outcomes um, of success. Okay, so, I mean, I think that's beautiful. I think it's a, a really great um, aspiration that you have. Um, what, how, how are we going to, or how are you going to, um, like, integrate that with Aislinn after you graduate? Is that something that you plan to pursue it a little bit further, or is that something that, um, you know, you feel like after graduating, you're probably going to pivot in a, in a different direction, but still always utilize, um, you know, Aislinn in, in, in a different realm as well? Yeah, so this is this is something I got asked all the time, um, you know, when I committed to doing the PhD program full-time, and it was obvious that um, Aislinn was going to go into this, semi, this state of semi-stasis, right? Okay. Um, we were no longer taking the contracts with school, no longer doing the, the large-scale programs um, during school and after school. And the answer to that question is that, like, I, I carry... Aislinn with me everywhere that I go. Right. Um, Aislinn grew from a vision that I had with inside inside of me. Um, I take that work, I take that understanding, I take um, you know the, the almost thirty thousand hours of treatment that we provided in schools. I, I, I take um, you know the hundreds of students that I saw over those years and the the, the varying experiences with them, their their varying skills, their varying abilities. I, I bring that to me, bring that with me in every situation. And so um, I brought Aislinn with me to Harvard. You know, um, Aislinn shows up with me in um, the analysis that I do of, of students and their performance. It shows up with me as a research assistant in these lab. It shows up with me when I'm working on a project. Uh, you know, the, the $30 million project in collaboration between MIT and Harvard to reach every reader by third grade. Like, Aislinn Ace, shows up in all of right. us. Things. It's embedded in, in, yeah. in um, you You know, long term, um, you know, the goal is to, to get back to being able to do the programs in that direct touch way. Um, but I don't see it as an either or. I see it as a both hand. Okay. So right now I'm in the phase of, of that's a, you know, um, it the work looks a little bit different. It's yeah, not, it's not gone, but it just looks different. Yeah, listen, I, I believe in whatever you do, so yeah. I'm always going to be um, an advocate for. Oh, that's you. a legitimate. That's a legitimate question. No, I mean, and I, and I think I think that our, our culture conditions people to um, think that they're just one thing. Yeah, put you in a box. You're either this right. or you're that, or you're doing this, and um, I know that you don't think that way. 
mm-hmm. right? And we've had these conversations before, but I, I think it's important for people to recognize that you can be more than one thing, right? And things can look um, many different ways, and you got to be able to sure. to to understand what it is that you want out of that, and and understand how it needs to evolve, evolve, and grow with you. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point um, because you, especially today's economy, you know, um, you have to do a variety of different things, but I also believe that, you know, with a person like you and, and many others that, you know, you have a, a plethora of different, um, you know, blessings to give to the world and it, it wouldn't behoove anyone to want you to just, you know, be fixed in one particular space because then one, you're not going to be optimizing, um, you know, all, all the great attributes that you provide, but two, People won't be receiving all, you know, the benefits of, you know, a, a very dynamic, intellectual, individual, um, man of color like like yourself. Um, I do have a question on people that perhaps I know your time is extremely limited, but if people wanted to get in touch with you um, to kind of like talk about their student or their child having some, you know, some challenges with reading or things of that sort. See. <laughs> Is wait wait is is there is there a way where it can be positioned right back to Aceland or is it something where you're like okay um, you know once I graduate this is definitely a, a space that I wouldn't mind kind of opening up again. Uh, I do from time to time on a, a case by case basis. Okay, sometimes, sometimes work uh, with with families in this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken a couple of families, uh, you know, over the past uh, two years, three years that I've been in this program, and worked with them directly. Um, but like I said, that's a, that's a you know um, that usually doesn't happen, um, and when it does, those people uh, have either demonstrated some uh, extraordinary commitment in terms of visiting the website, looking up the the information is out there, right? Like if you if you wanted to get in contact with me, uh, you, you can definitely find me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I do that. I still do that sometimes. Um, but what you see is a transition from the larger scale work that we do with, you know, uh, public charter schools and, and systems in New York or systems in DC. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's good to know. I think that's a very honest answer. Yeah. The answer I can, I can respect. (laughs) Um, so I do want people, if, 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 uh, they want to learn more about, um, Alpital Moore, um, to check out his website and that's Aislinn Education. So that's A-C-E-L-I-N, um, education.com. And I think, um, you'll be able to kind of learn a little bit more about what he's done in the past, but, um, you know, it will kind of connect the dots with, you know, what you're doing in, in the future. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you from a variety of different perspectives. Obviously, novel. We want to bring awareness to individuals like you, and you know, you being a man of color. I know there's a lot of challenges and things that you have to face. Um, obviously, being in you know in, in this type of area in Boston too, um, there's a lot of different nuances that you have to uh, try to combat and, and, and face. But I know you're doing a, a phenomenal job. Um, you know, I think not only are you representing you know your your family, you're representing Barber, you're representing so many different people. Um, I know it's a lot of responsibility, but, you know, heavy uh, is the head that wears the crown, my brother. So 
you know, um, we wish you, can, you know, a lot of blessings. We know uh, you're going to continue to do well and continue to um, soar. And, I, you know, I'm really excited, you know, not only to be connected with you, obviously, and we're frat brothers, so shout out to, you know, the noobs, Kappa Alpha Side, you know, yo, yo to the good brothers. <laughs> um, so you definitely achieving, you know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely achieving. Um, <laughs> for sure. But again, you know, um, you know, we appreciate you carving out some time. We know you're busy. Um, you know, I, I can talk to you all day and, and you know, kind of yeah, get man. your perspective. I'm glad we were able to, to make this happen, man. Yeah. And, uh, let me know. <laughs> Happy to get back out here and follow up some, some stuff. I know we didn't get to everything that you think that we potentially talked about. Um, That's good. It's kind of right strategic there. because that means you have to come back. Yeah, you know, yeah, we I have guess, to. You got me on we got we got to open up a different a different discussion at a later date. But um, again, you know, thank you for your time. You know, uh, we definitely wish you blessings and continuous success. Um, and any way that we can help, you know, always let us know. Yeah, absolutely, man. All sure. right, thank you, man. Novel podcast. Make sure you are uh, subscribe. Leave your comments. Um, for Al, for for us, let us know if there's anybody else that you think. Uh, would be interested in, um, you know, uh, joining the podcast. But, uh, you know, again, follow us and uh, thank you for coming today. So. Sure.